And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, day's October 25th, 298th day of the year. 67 days remain to the year's over with. And we'll start a new one. If there's anything left to start it with. <clears throat> it's World Pasta Day. It's the anniversary of the Philippine Military Academy. Geelong Cup Day. Uh, International Artist Day. Lung Health Day. National Chucky the Notorious Killer Doll Day. National Danielle Day. National Fine Art Appreciation Day. National Greasy Foods Day. National Hope for Henry Day. National I Care About You Day. National Yasmin Day. Punk for a Day Day. Uh, and Sourest Day. Last one I just don't understand. Well, as I say, it's October 25th. Um, in 285 or 286 AD, uh, AD, execution of Saints Crispin and Crispinian during the reign of Diocletian, now the patron saints of leather workers, couriers, and shoemakers. 473 AD, Emperor Leo I acclaims his grandson, Leo II, as the Caesar of the East Roman Empire. That's uh, what became known as the Byzant- Byzantium. Uh, with Constantinople as its capital. 1147, Seljuk Turks defeat German crusaders under Conrad III at the Battle of uh, Doriolaeum. 1147, also saw the Reconquista. After a siege of four months, crusader knights reconquered Lisbon. 1415, Hundred Years' War. Henry V of England, with his knightly armored infantry and archers, defeats the heavily armored French cavalry at the Battle of Agincourt. 1616, uh, Dutch sea captain Dirk Hartog makes the second recorded landfall by European on Australian soil at the later named uh, Dirk Hartog Island off the West Australian coast. 1747, War of the Austrian Succession. British fleet under Admiral Edward Hawke can't talk, defeats the French at the Second Battle of Cape Finisterre. 1760, King George III succeeds to the British throne on the death of his grandfather, George II. 1809, Golden Jubilee of George III is celebrated in Britain as he begins the 50th year of his reign. There was a lot of stories that he had to be crazy in the road lizard, but British stuck with him. 1812, during the War of 1812, the American frigate USS United States, commanded by Stephen Decatur, Captures the British frigate HMS Macedonian. 1822, Greek War of Independence. The first siege of Missolonghi begins. 1854, Battle of Balaclava takes place during the Crimean War. It was memorialized in verse as a charge of the Light Brigade. And according to the movie I saw, it was led by Errol Flynn. 1861, a Toronto Stock Exchange is created. 1868, Uspensky Cathedral, designed by Alexei Gornostayev, is inaugurated in Helsinki, Finland. 1900, United Kingdom annexes the Transvaal. 1911, the Xinhai Revolution breaks out in Ganzhou, where the King General Fang Shan is assassinated by the Chinese Assassination Corps. They had an organization whose only job was to assassinate those that uh, displeased the powers that be. 1917, old-style date of the October Revolution in Russia. This date, 1920, after 74 days on a hunger strike in Brixton Prison in England, the signed Finn Lord Mayor of Cork, Terence McSweeney, dies. 1924, the Zinoviev letter, which... uh, Zimovie himself denied writing is published in a Daily Mail. Labor Party later blamed this letter for the Conservatives' landslide election win four days later. Now, 
the Zinoviev letter was a apparently a fake document published and sensationalized by the British Daily Mail newspaper four days before the 1924 United Kingdom general election. The letter purported to be a directive from Gregory Zinoviev, the head of the Communist International in Moscow, to the Communist Party of Great Britain, ordering it to engage in seditious activities. And it stated the normalization of British-Soviet relations under the Labour Party government would radicalize the British working class and put the uh, Communist Party of Great Britain in a favorable position to pursue a Bolshevik-style revolution. And it also suggested these effects would extend throughout the British Empire. Well, of course, the right-wing press depicted the letters a grave foreign a subversion of British politics and blamed the incumbent later government under Ramsay MacDonald for promoting the policy of uh, political reconciliation and open trade with the Soviet Union, on which the scheme appeared to depend. And the election resulted in the fall of the first Labour government and a strong victory for the Conservative Party and the continued collapse of the Liberal Party. Uh, Labour, of course, blamed the letter, at least in part, for their party's defeat. Now, the letter was taken widely to be authentic upon publication or sometimes afterwards, but uh, historians, most of whom are left-leaning, now agree it was a forgery. And this letter may be aided the Conservative Party by hastening the ongoing collapse of the Liberal Party vote, which in turn produced a conservative landslide. A.J.P. Taylor argued the letter's most important impact was the mindset of Labourites, who for years afterwards blamed foul play for their defeat which means they misunderstood the political forces at work and postponed what Taylor regarded as necessary reforms in the Labor Party. But it's interesting to note that uh, that's very similar to the uh, Zimmerman telegram that supposedly uh, came from Germany to forces in Mexico that if uh, they joined Mexico in attacking the U.S., they would get back um, several U.S. states. 1927, the Italian luxury liner, SS Principessa Mafalda, sinks off the coast of Brazil. 314 people died. 1932, George Lansbury becomes the leader of the opposition British Labour Party. 1940, Benjamin O. Davis Sr. is named the first African-American general in the United States Army. 1944, World War II, Heinrich Himmler orders a crackdown on the, the Edelweiss Pirates, a loosely organized youth culture. Most were under 17, which was the, the aid they had to enter the Hitler Youth to be drafted. But it was a loosely organized youth culture in Nazi Germany assisted army deserters and others to hide from the Third Reich. Yeah. Let's see, 1944, World War II. The USS Tang under Richard O'Kane, the top American submarine ace of the war, is sunk by the ship's own malfunctioning torpedo. There was an issue of, with torpedoes that the guidance system would sometimes go awry. The um, the Tang was a Vallejo-class submarine in World War II, uh, built and launched in 1943, served until being sunk by our own torpedo off China in the Taiwan Strait, October 24, 1944. In her short career in the Pacific War, Tang sank 33 ships, which totaled 116,454 tons, and Commander Richard O'Kane got the Medal of Honor for her last two engagements. It was uh, sunk during the last engagement by a circular run of her final torpedo going down in 180 feet of water. 78 men were lost, and the nine survivors were picked up by a Japanese frigate and taken prisoner of war. The only known time that a Momsen lung was used to escape a, sunk, a sunken submarine, and that was a primitive underwater rebreather used before and during World War II by American submariners as a emergency escape gear and I understand it was not exactly shall we say um, guaranteed to work but it was better than nothing 
1944, World War II, the final attempt that the Imperial Japanese Navy to win the war climaxes in the Battle of Leyte Gulf. 1945, 50 years of Japanese administration of Taiwan, it did when the Republic of China took control. 1949, the Battle of Guntao and the Taiwan Strait begins. And I got messages coming right left and center. Rapper 50 Cents has just unleashed on President Biden for taking another vacation in the middle of what looks like the prelude to World War III. Now, the Battle of Kunintao, um, also known as the Battle of Kinmen, the battle fought over Kinmen in the Taiwan Strait during the Chinese Civil War in 1949. Failure of the communists to take the island left in the hands of the Kuomintang uh, and crushed their chances of taking Taiwan to destroy the nationalists completely in that war. Chiang Kai-shek ran the Kuomintang and um, Mao ran the uh, Chinese communist. 1962, Cuban Missile Crisis. Adelaide Stevenson shows the United Nations Security Council reconnaissance photographs of Soviet ballistic missiles in Cuba. You know, for some reason, everybody thinks communism is the, the panacea, the end-all, be-all, until they have to live under it. Then they have a different attitude, but by that time, it's too late to go back. 1968, Fairchild F-27 crashes into Moose Mountain while on approach to Lebanon, Minnesota Airport in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Killed 32 people. 1971, the People's Republic of China replaces the Republic of China at the United Nations. Yes, the Republic of China, which helped form it, was thrown out. And the People's Republic of China, and when you see People's Republic, you know it's communist-based. 1973, Egypt and Israel accepted United Nations Security Council Resolution 339. It was adopted October 23rd, 1973, in order to bring a ceasefire in the Yom Kippur War. Um or Resolution 338, just two days before it failed. And this resolution primarily reaffirmed the terms outlined in Resolution 338, returning the forces to the, of both sides back to the position they held when the ceasefire came into effect, and a request from the United Nations Secret uh, Secretary General to undertake measures toward the placement of observers to supervise the ceasefire. Nineteen eighty. Uh, proceedings in the Hague Convention and on civil aspects of international child abduction conclude on this date. Nineteen eighty-three, United States and Caribbean allies invade Grenada. Six days after Prime Minister Maurice Bishop and several of his supporters are executed in a coup d'état. I know uh, I talked to some a number of officers who were there, and one of them said he uh, he coordinated air support from a paid telephone because their radios wouldn't work. Um, 1990, the Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic declares its sovereignty from the Soviet Union. 1995, a commuter train slams into a school bus at Fox River Grove, Illinois, and kills seven students. 1997, after a civil war, Denise Sousa Naguso proclaimed himself president of the Republic of Congo. 1999, a Learjet 35 crashes in Mina near Aberdeen, South Dakota. Killed all six people on board, including PGA golfer Payne Stewart and golf course designer Bruce Borland. 2001, Microsoft releases Windows XP, which becomes one of Microsoft's most successful operating systems. 2009, the October 2009 Baghdad bombings killed 155 and wounded at least 721. 2010, Mount Merapi in Indonesia begins a month-long series of 
Violent eruptions that killed 353 people and caused the evacuation of another 350,000 people. 2010, a magnitude 7.8 earthquake strikes off Indonesia's Mentawai Islands, triggering a tsunami that kills at least 400 people. You know, it's interesting. Um, when you look at all that's going on in the world, You have people arguing about the meaning of words. Uh, we've got people arguing that just because you raid people's homes and kill babies in cribs and cut off their heads, and that's not terrorism. That's freedom fighting. We've got the... Uh, UN Secretary General um, appears to have sided with Hamas, saying that the the Hamas attacks didn't happen in a vacuum, and that the Palestinian people have been subjected to fifty six years of suffocating occupation. Well, if it had been your family that had been killed, would you wax philosophical? Israeli UN ambassadors demanded the U.S. and the Secretary General resign. Calls the speech shocking. We've got the man that so many people worship, former President Obama, lectures the Israeli government and what they should and shouldn't be doing. This is the man that caused the Arab Spring that caused so many people to die when he was president. It's just fascinating, the lunacy that's going on right now. The White House sec press secretary, when given a chance to condemn anti-Semitism, Ignored it. Apparently it's okay with her. And rather than address what's going on directly, our president turned his attention to safe crack pipes. And they had insult to injury the people that serve this country, the veterans. are receiving less than the undocumented immigrants, most of whom are military age, who ran from their countries to keep from serving in the military. Were I the president, I'd submit a bill to bring back the draft and would see how many of these ultra-left liberals You know, it's just absolutely fascinating. There was a demonstration of up to 100,000 pro-Palestinians in London. Now, I would have suggested if they're so pro-Palestinian, <clears throat> there are planes waiting for you at Heathrow to take you back to Palestine. If you want to support them, Go support them. <coughs> we will support you and your desire to support them. It's just, apparently, in their minds, murder is okay. Well, we were talking yesterday about the occult and what's known as um, Renaissance magic. Now, there's various types of magic. The, uh, you know, the 15th to 16th centuries are interesting time. The Western Near Eastern worlds were home to three major religions. Christianity, 
which is uh, the youngest, Islam, and Judaism. Now, in spite of rumors to the contrary, Islam is a relatively young religion. Now, there also existed a uh, multifaceted paganism that saw the world as populated with an array of spirit beings, benevolent and malign, who constantly intervened in the lives of humans. But everybody involved in this so-called rainbow-hued speculation had one thing in common. They all agreed life had meaning. And the scholars of these great religions might have continued to work within their own traditions were it not for a series of events in the 14th and 15th uh, hundreds that uh, brought about the most far-reaching intellectual revolution in our history. That revolution came to be known as the Renaissance. Now, There were a number of Renaissance thinkers, as it were, who were striving to frame an orderly understanding of the workings of the universe. And the lead in these deliberations was taken by a group in Florence, founded by Marsilio Ficino. In 1489, he was actually accused of uh, practicing magic in front of Pope Innocent VIII. That's known... This group was known as the Platonic Academy because it took its inspiration from the followers of the 6th century B.C. Athenian philosopher Plato. Now these academicians were uh, Neoplatonist because they belonged to a long tradition of philosophers who sought to relate the teachings of the Greek master to later intellectual and spiritual development particularly the advent of Christianity. For Ficino and his friends, an unbroken chain of Gnosis stretched right back uh, to the uh, Prisia Theologia. Through, uh, they got there through Plato. Neoplatonism uh, rejected a clear-cut distinction between master and matter and spirit. Everything in the universe was suffused by uh, spiritual entities, all of which uh, interacted to control terrestrial life. The movements of the spheres and the uh, activities of the Creator and His angelic cohorts. The uh, branch of philosophy to which Neoplatonism belongs is called uh, metaphysics. Study what lies uh, above and beyond uh, the physical universe that we uh, can see with our five senses. And understand the workings of the cosmos was to be in a position to manipulate it. In other words, it allowed you to practice magic. Because that's what magic is, the manipulation of the cosmos. Metaphysicians identified three categories of magic. Natural magic, harness the forces present on earth. This included herbalism, using the properties of plants to create medicines, but also nostrums capable of affecting personality. Also extended a reading the human body and the use of fire, air, and water and changing the composition of natural substances. And from this latter uh, school of thought, the science of chemistry would grow and would embrace the concept of transmuting basic elements such as changing lead into gold. Second category was celestial magic, which concerned uh, studying the movements of heavenly bodies and their influence on human behavior and destiny. Third branch was ceremonial magic, which involved conjuring spiritual beings to do one's bidding. Necromancer might consort with the dead to discover buried treasure, perform spells to harm his enemies. It can now be seen all these have their appeal to human beings trapped in a universe they don't understand and captive to their own inner compulsions. Ambition, greed, luster, even simply the desire to be happy and healthy. Preachers and moralists weren't slow to point out the dangers of dabbling in matters beyond what uh, God allowed. And of course, what God allowed was 
what was determined by the minds of these uh, preachers and moralists. Early in the Renaissance period, a popular legend began circulating about a certain George Faust, whose intellectual pride and insatiable curiosity drove him into the arms of the devil. In the 16th century, Christopher Marlowe turned this story into a play. Dr. Faustus presented his central character as one who'd mastered all branches of human knowledge and found him wanting until he eventually discovered magic. According to the story, Faustus made a pact with Mistopheles, a spirit sent by Satan to do a deal. He got an unlimited power in return for Faustus' soul. And the philosopher has a hail whale of a time till the day comes when he, the debt has to be paid. And this is far from the rarefied atmosphere of the uh, Renaissance scholars studying ancient authors to discover wisdom for its own sake. Frasino took what was considered to be a major step forward when he translated into Latin a body of writings brought from Constantinople, which he entitled the Corpus of Medicum. This long-lost text purported to be a classical Greek collection of Greco-Egyptian wisdom dating back uh, maybe 9,000 years and taught by Hermes Trismegistus that we discussed yesterday, the trice great Hermes. Now, this figure was a god worshipped by Egyptians as Toth and by Greeks as Hermes. His uh, teaching was supposedly relayed in various strands. He featured in Zoroastrian worship, appeared in the Koran as a prophet. Jewish writings mentioned him as a contemporary of Moses. And it's easy to see why his Renaissance rediscoverers should have associated him with the Prisca Theologia. Hermetic writings were mystical and complex. They could... Scarcely be otherwise, since they claim to explain everything. Keith Thomas, in a writing called The Religion and the Decline of Magic, uh, tried to summarize everything. He said it, it taught that by mystical regeneration it was possible for man to regain dominion over nature, which he had lost at the fall in the Garden of Eden. His astrological and alchemical lore helped to uh, Create an intellectual environment sympathetic to every kind of mystical and magic activity. It's all incredibly mysterious and impressive and compelling. The only problem was that the Corpus of Medicum was a complete fraud. That's to say that while elements of went back to classical times, the compendium was written no earlier than 300 uh, A.D. This was demonstrated in 1614 by Genevan scholar Isaac Casabon, Regarded by many contemporaries as the most brilliant Greek scholar of the age. You know, there's a number of folks who uh, purported to be learned magicians. In fact, uh, John D., who uh, died in 1608 or 1609. His life provides us with an example of how science and philosophy and magic interacted in many Renaissance thinkers. One of the most brilliant students to emerge from Cambridge University. And though his studies embraced many subjects, his main interest was mathematics. And for him, the magic of numbers provided an insight into the mind of God. And he applied his skills to cartography and the provision of navigational aids for mariners. And from here, it was but a short step to promoting England's overseas expansion during the reign of Elizabeth I. But he also studied hermetic philosophy, astrology, alchemy, enjoyed the patronages of the queen herself, for whom he cast horoscopes. Increasingly, his mind turned, turned toward the conjugation of spirits in which he assisted by the, the charlatan, uh, well-known charlatan, to be sure, Edward Kelly, who cashed in on Dee's fame for his own ends. Together, the two men traveled to several European courts in the 1580s, seeking new patrons with their promises of providing the guidance of spirits and the secret of turning base metals into gold. By the time Dee returned to England and broken his relationship with Kelly, he discovered the public opinion had turned against his dabbling with what was considered satanic magic and his laboratory had been trashed by angry neighbors. 
he never regained his early uh, fame and wealth and eventually died in comparative poverty. But it shows how fickle people can be. When they think you can give them something they want, oh, they're right there singing your praises. But when the winds turn, so to speak, you know, away from the rarefied atmosphere of politi uh, philosophical debate, ordinary mortals needed help in coping with the problems of everyday existence. For most people, life was, by modern European standards, short and uncomfortable. The average life expectancy was about 35. Most people dwelt in what we'd think of as slum conditions. Disease was rife. Renaissance Europe hadn't yet fully recovered from the Black Death and run amok in the mid-14th century and wiped out about a third or half of the population. Poverty was rife, and many families lived a precarious existence on the subsistence level. They needed all the help they could get for their own well-being and that of their animals and their crops. And no less than the Magi, uh, untutored folk believed that the material world was suffused with the spiritual, and when they were in need, they turned to the experts, so to speak, in their midst who could invoke the aid of higher powers. And there were two sources of supernatural powers. Um, one was accessed via the church, and the other was available from the practitioners of what was called folklore. Most popular magic produced by uh, Paris priest was the mass, a service during which the officiant took bread and wine, consecrated uh, them, and by doing so transubstantiated them into the actual body and blood of Christ. And for that reason, a lot of the Romans believed that uh, Christian, early Christians practiced cannibalism. And the priestly miracle was the focus of religious life, and masses were performed constantly. And for many people, the mass elements themselves came to be regarded as possessing holy power. Some worshippers were known to take the consecrated bread away from the church instead of eating it to use it as a charm. Now, the church disapproved of this, of course. But at the same time, they encouraged the, this materialistic approach by sponsoring the, the veneration of holy relics. Those are items supposedly associated with Christ or the saints that were displayed in shrines so the pilgrims could look at and touch or kiss the cases of such relics as a, such as a finger of St. Peter or a fragment of wood from the true cross. In fact, I heard an estimate that if all the fragments of the true cross were put together, you could have built Noah's Ark. One of the first books published by the pioneer English printer William Caxton was a translation of the Golden Legend in 1483, earlier collection of stories describing miracles wrought by saints or their relics. It recorded how whole cities were actually preserved by the cloth spread over the tomb of the local martyr, St. Agatha. year after her death, the the mountain that looms over Contania erupted and spewed a river of fire and molten rock down toward the city. And then crowds of pagans fled from the mountain to the saint's tomb, snatched up the pail that covered it, and hung it up in the path of the fire. And according to the story, the stream of lava halted and didn't advance a foot further. Word that such a story was true. Folk religion took on a confusing variety of forms. Popular magic practitioners were known as witches or wizards or cunning men and women, conjurers, sorcerers. There was any large number of names for them. Some used herbal remedies. Others employed potions, spells, incantations, or astrological predictions. The only thing they all had in common was arcane knowledge that they kept secret. In the common mind, there was little, if anything, to distinguish between church magic and traditional folk remedies. If your child was sick or your crop spoiled, if you were lovesick or angry with your neighbors, if you want to know how a business venture turned out or were desperately in need of a son to inherit your property, there were a variety of specialists at your disposal, as long as you had the money. You know, to help you... The help you receive might contain both religious and naturalistic elements, such as visiting a specific shrine and maybe repeating some mystic incantations. 
In the 1550s, a Somerset cunning woman uh, named Joan Terry prescribed herbs for treating a bewitched person, but insisted that they should be gathered by reciting five paternosters, five Ave Marias, and a creed. But things were changing, changing drastically as a Renaissance, and then Reformation thinking spread throughout Europe. Church, led by Pope Innocent VIII, sought to disentangle itself from popular magic. Catholic faith was coming under pressure from various directions and fought back vigorously to wrest control of men's minds from heresy and the unorthodox. Messages now went out uh, that any supernatural power which didn't have ecclesiastical backing were, came not from God but from Satan. Now, was this a hard, fast truth? No, that's the position the church wanted you to take. 1486, two Dominican friars published a compendium description uh, and denunciation of witchcraft called the uh, Malaeus Malafarcum. This notorious book asserted that all practitioners of folk religion had sold their souls and laid down rules for interrogation, conviction, and punishment of suspects. In fact, it didn't become the, the weapon in the persecutor's armory for another century, but its importance lies in what it revealed about the intellectual climate at the time. Rising tide of skepticism in Europe was threatening to sweep into the foundations of the medieval church and weaken it. People questioned the power of the priesthood and the moral standards of its representatives. There was, I mean, it was during this time it came to light that it was actually... Uh, children of various popes. I mean, it's all well and good for them to say that uh, they must remain chaste. But it didn't apply to them. They were above all that. Renaissance thinkers like Ficino didn't cease to be devout Catholics, but their speculations about the history of Christianity and its connection with Islamic and Jewish thought challenged official teachings. At the grassroots, the spread of literacy and the reading of vernacular Bibles encouraged ordinary people to think for themselves, and that was, oh, that was the worst thing that could happen. The emphasis moved away from the performance of rituals and the veneration of holy things to reflection on ideas and embracing of personal theological beliefs. Renaissance also uh, presented challenging theories in the realm of science. Nicholas Copernicus, for example, produced evidence for the belief that the earth revolved around the sun and not vice versa. Then in 1517, the German monk Martin Luther went to the, for the popular juggler by declaring that the Pope didn't have the power to forgive sins. This outrageous claim, backed up by proofs from the Bible, struck such a chord with so many people it triggered the Reformation. Some zealots attacked shrines and images that represented the old religion. Instead of cautiously welcoming the new thinking and engaging in debate with uh, opponents of radical ideas and uh, beliefs, many church leaders dug their heels in, determined to protect Catholic tradition at all costs. They banned books that challenged official thinking. They branded all critics as heretics, demanded they repent of their errors, and they punished them if they refused. Ironically, some of the church's fiercest critics, who would eventually be known as Protestants, actually agreed with Rome's condemnation of magic is diabolical and in the 17th century became some of the most ardent persecutors of witches and their ilk. Well, interestingly enough, one of the strangest academies where amateur scholars dabbled in arcane knowledge and were widely suspected of magical practices was held in a prison, and not just any prison. It's an intellectual salon met in the Tower of London. Soon after the the session of James I in 1603, Queen Elizabeth's uh, favorite, Sir Walter Raleigh, was arrested on suspicion of being involved in a plot against the new king. No he's found guilty, his life was spared, and he was lodged in the tower. Two years later, Henry Percy, Earl of Northumberland, was accused of complicity in the gunpowder plot and suffered the same fate. And it should be known the conditions of their imprisonment were far from harsh. They had spacious quarters, kept servants, received visitors, devoted themselves to the study of philosophy and theology and astrology, 
being joined by scholars such as uh, Thomas Harriot, uh, the inventor of uh, navigational instruments and an astronomical tel- uh, telescope. Raleigh even wrote a history of the world. Percy amassed a large library and equipped a laboratory for carrying out alchemical uh, experiments. All this, plus the personal reputations of the two men and the enmity of King James, who was paranoid about witchcraft, was enough to engender Faustian suspicions of probing forbidden knowledge. They were accused of atheism in those days, only scarcely less reprehensible than treason, and Percy is widely known as the Wizard Earl. Well, the term to school of the night was only applied later to Raleigh's circle, but as free thinkers, he and his associates were regarded with suspicion similar to that which had dogged Dr. John Dee. Raleigh was eventually executed in 1618, and Percy was released three years later. Well, you know, every religion has its own mystical tradition. Well, if you think of the mystical religion, the Kabbalah, a lot of folks would picture the uh, singer Madonna, one of a number of celebrities, to embrace its, uh, embrace its ancient wisdom in recent years. She sought to study and understand Kabbalah's deep teachings, often in the face of great criticism. And through her efforts, people learned of some aspects of the religion, not the least the strand of red string bracelet that many contemporary followers wear to ward off the evil eye. But the Kabbalah is no celebrity fad. It was by any means a newfangled religion, as many have called it. It's the theology of the Jewish people and the spiritual study of unseen laws governing the universe from the perspective of Judaism. Those who followed it have done so because they believe it gives them a great understanding into the workings and the structure of the human soul. And indeed, its origins are said to stretch back to the Holy Scriptures, to Adam, the, the first man. According to Kabbalistic tradition, Adam was both a spiritual and biological ancestor of humans and was also uh, androgynous, split into two halves after eating from the tree of uh, knowledge for good and evil, but then received his teachings from mankind through the archangel Raziel, keeper of secrets. Kabbalists believe men and women must merge in marriage to form a full soul. More than that, tradition teaches the souls of all humans combined to form one soul, which is that of Adam. Well, Abraham also figures highly in Kabbalah, as he does in Judaism as a whole. He's seen as the founding father of the covenant. Traditional Kabbalists believe Abraham, who lived about 1700 B.C., received the truth of Kabbalah and wrote the Sefer Yetzirah, the earliest extant book on Jewish esotericism and first Kabbalistic text. And for that reason, it's become a primary source for students of Kabbalah, and it reinforces Adam's view that God is one. Such beliefs were cemented by the prophet and teacher Moses, who ascended Mount Sinai and got the commandments from God along with the oral Torah. And the latter contained the Law, statutes, and legal interpretations that have not been noted in the written Torah, the five books of Moses, and the Kabbalistic truths they contain paved a spiritual level of existence that explored the nature of uh, of the soul. Bodies were seen as temporary. Souls were said to be everlasting. Fundamentally, Kabbalah became a way for Judaism to understand God and receive his knowledge. And to that end, Jews sought to pass down their knowledge through the generations, even though they'd suffered from oppression throughout the, the Roman Empire. From about 100 B.C. to 1000 A.D., for instance, uh, Maccabah mysticism had emerged as a school of early Jewish mysticism, and the, the mystics focused on the books of Ezekiel in the Hebrew Bible. first chapter centered on the prophet Ezekiel's vision of riding to the heavens in a divine chariot. Mystics thought to interpret the meaning of the vision and said it, uh, what it said and revealed about God. Agar manifested itself in a study called uh, Masa Merkaba, which taught that the path to God was thrown with obstacles and encouraged Jews to 
strain their minds in order to connect to on an emotional level as well as the physical level. Meanwhile, I say, uh, Bereshit uh, emerged as a mystical understanding of verses in the book of Genesis. You know, it interpreted the first chapter as a dichotomy of upper and lower worlds split between God and humans. Kabbalah grew from both studies his followers sought to question and probe more deeply to look beyond the surface of whatever was presented to him. Kabbalah, though, didn't reach maturity until the 13th century, and it was from this point on that the idea truly spread, thanks to its switch from an oral tradition to one that was written. The most famous work of Kabbalah, the Zahar, emerged, uh, written in Aramaic, as revealed by the Spanish uh, Kabbalist Moses de Leon, and claimed it was the work of Rabbi Shaman Bar Yochai, a Jewish writer who lived in the 2nd century. As with the Talmud, the text had been included, uh, of which included uh, Masay Merkaba and Maset Bereshit, uh, ended up standing alongside both the Talmud and the Torahs, important pillars of the wisdom writing of the children of Israel in Kabbalah tradition. But the question becomes, what was it? The Zohar was a series of books that commented on the mystical aspects of the Torah, exploring the virtues of God and the nature of God and the human soul as well as good and evil and sin looked at the structure of the universe and its origins and became vitally important for students. Zohar also greatly, was also greatly significant for the Jews, badly affected by the Alhambra Decree of 1492, with Solomon forced to convert to Christianity or be expelled from the kingdom of Castile and Aragon on the orders of the joint Catholic monarchs of Spain. Well, such was Kabbalah's intensity, though, that those seeking to understand had to be aged over 40. And this is due to the first major written collection of the oral Torah, the Mishnah, speaking of 40, as being the best age for understanding the uh, ethics of the fathers. Uh, chapter 5, verse 24 lays this out. It's also preferable for students to be married, which again was seen as a sign of maturity and experience. And there was a debate as well over who exactly wrote the Zohar with academics, uh, since claiming it to be the work of Rabbi Moses de Leon, regardless, Judaism became a more inner experience for many. And much of it was down to Jewish mystic Rabbi Isaac Luria, who transformed the study before his uh, death in 1572. Key to his interpretation was the tizim tazum, the understanding only God existed before creation, and he was he began the process of creation by contracting his infinite light to make room for a finite pluralistic world. And this work was passed on thanks to Rabbi Chaim uh, Vital, who put the teachings down in writing. Well, from that emerged the ten sephirot that made up the Kabbalah tree of life. That is, the spiritual attributes that became the infinite God is revealed included uh, primary will, wisdom, understanding, judgment, loving, kindness, might, beauty, glory, victory, connection, sovereignty, and in the divine presence. These teachings were later ad adapted by occultists and Western esoteric movement with the Renaissance seeing a Christian Kabbalah emerge thanks to a growing appetite for interpreting Christianity from a mystical point of view. Christian Kabbalah reinterpreted the doctrine of Jewish Kabbalah by linking the atonement and Resurrection of Jesus Christ to the Ten Sephirot, the Christian Kabbalah's Tree of Life, the three topmost spheres being connected to the Trinity, the rest concerning themselves with earth. Hermetic uh, Kabbalah then arose from a desire to find proof of Christian doctrine and Hebrew mysticism. Not only drew upon Kabbalah, but also pagan religions, Western astrology, Gnosticism, Neoplatonism, Tantra, and alchemy. Now, combining different beliefs and thoughts, it promoted a syncretic worldview. And although Hermeticists saw Kabbalah's origins in classic Greece rather than Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah found its way into Hermetic tradition from the 15th century. Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa wrote uh, three books of occult philosophy which explored the beliefs of uh, Western uh, uh, esotericism looked at the uh, subjects of ritual magic, spells, ceremonial procedures, and the Kabbalah, among others, and approached them from the perspective of a scholar. 
Well, Hermetic Kabbalah's uh, infamous emphasis, I can't talk, was on the power of a magician to make ever so slight alterations in the higher realm, and the cards that made up tarot replaced the ten sephirot uh, in a tree of life. Orphism and Egyptian mythology were added during the 17th century, and its influence grew among non-Jewish scholars. They felt it could uncover hidden connections since they believed uh, anything would take the place of the ten spears and 22 paths to the tree of life. It posits that the universe is best understood by numbers and draws upon the work of Pythagoras. Well, even so, Maria's initial influence continues to this day. And that's quite aside from McDonough writing a song called Isaac uh, in 2005, which many believed was about him. The Kabbalah Center, led by Rabbi Philip Berg, is the most influential and dedicated to bringing in the wisdom of the religion to the world. Jewish Kabbalists continue to believe they're able to repair the damage um, between the upper and lower worlds by detaching the divine light, connecting good with evil, and by observing the commandments that will lead people from exile to redemption. You know, Kabbalists believe that our souls will greatly outlive our body and we live in both the physical and the spiritual world. Of course, a lot of this is truly philosophical because there is no way to actually have proof of it. And almost every religion that I know of deals with um, oracles. Um... And that's to include Christianity. When people set themselves up as the fount of knowledge and they start to give their philosophical beliefs to others, they're acting as an oracle. The um, Look at Nostradamus, one of the most infamous oracles of all time. And no one has ever answered the question. Was he a divine prophet or complete fraud? You know, hailed recently as the author of the Gospel of Doom for the Modern Age, Michel de Nostradamus, or Nostradamus as he's more commonly known, has had a checkered reputation over the centuries. Born in the French town of Saint-Rémy-de-Provence at the end of 1503, he was one of a at least nine children born to a notary father and a mother from whom he would claim a family history in medicine. And little could they have suspected that his name would become synonymous with mayhem and catastrophe during both his lifetime as well as beyond. It was through the publication of his annual almanacs that Nostradamus made a name for himself and rose to prominence in the world of prediction and prophecy for which he became so famous, both in his own time and in the century since. In total, the early almanacs contained nearly 6,500 prophecies, proving immensely popular at the time of the publication and paving the way for his later work on the, the prophecies. You know, it's interesting to note that, um, amazingly enough, many of his prophecies did come to pass. Others people read into in order to be able to point to something and said, well, you know, this this took place. But in our next show, we'll be talking more detail about Nostradamus, but for now, we've run out of time. So until tomorrow at this time, Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.